Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Abby and Danielle here. At Hashtag Real Life, we want to bring the essence of conversations back into our day-to-day lives. We want to tell the stories of the people around us with no topic off the table. Our hope is to create a safe space for ourselves, guests, and our listeners, all while bringing our authentic selves to create rambling but beautiful content. Now, let's talk about some stuff. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome, welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Uh, this is Abby. This is Danielle. We're back. Uh, and we're back. And I'm laughing because Danielle just counted us down and I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a countdown that wasn't really a countdown. I just started yelling out numbers. So, I mean, we're here. This is awesome. We're here. And if you've listened to us or know us, in any circumstance, you know, we giggle a lot. So, I mean, it, it's perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to tee you up, Danielle. What'd you do this week or what's up? What's on your mind? Yeah. I mean, this week I've just kind of been, I mean, I've been working. I also have like tried to spend a lot more time like out and about. So it's funny that you asked that because we were talking about being out in nature more often. Um, I'm trying to get back into running again. I mean, you know, just some of those fun things, trying to do that couch to 5k, like that app is pretty silly. So I'm trying to do that and just trying to, you know, live a balanced life, I guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're going to have to connect, uh, with, Aaron, Pascas Aaron, because isn't he also doing the couch to 5K? Yes, yes. Well, he's not doing the couch to 5K. He's just actually preparing to do a marathon. So oh, like, but, oh, thank you. But still, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good, it's a good starting tool. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am also getting out and doing more walking now that I have a little bit, just a little bit more free time. And yeah, Danielle knows like the last week I've just felt really off and you know the Grey's Anatomy quote like the dark and twisty place like it did kind of feel that for a little bit and yeah just getting out in nature has absolutely helped improve my mood and it also probably is a cue that you know I probably need to get on my schedule with the therapist that I usually go see so uh taking a little hiatus and probably need to do that (laughs) so there we all we all know therapy is important and Danielle and I've ranted and or not ranted we've raved about it right maybe rant but um and you know I try to do these transitions and it's still awkward whatever uh so that leads perfectly into our (laughs) she's giggling at me our wonderful 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 guest who I do know personally uh Miss Shireen Ganatabadi she is a uh, somatic experiencing practitioner. So a type of trauma therapist. She's also a licensed professional clinical, uh, counselor. So LPCC here in the twin cities. I worked with her, uh, personally, um, with some coordination of care with clients, both at my previous job and current. Um, and she just is someone that I learned so much from. And ever since I've met her, I just have loved her energy, her just outlook on life, just so down to earth. So like just calm, cool, collected maybe is what you're giving me a funny face, Shereen. Oh my gosh. Um, But she also has inspired me to do more of my own learning about, you know, white supremacy and how like ancestral healing. And she just is involved in so many cool things. And I just can't wait for her to share 
her story just to have a fun combo. And I even have the uh, crystals that she gave me at my happy hour next to me just to give us a little light and healing. So welcome, Shireen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I was laughing or not laughing. It's giving you a funny face because I was like, well, I'm just a mirror for you, like <laughs> reflecting back, like who you are. So <laughs> Yeah. Gosh, I feel so good to hear. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh. Yes. You have yeah. always just been a bright light. Like when I first started um, in the residential level of care. Yeah. I know I kind of came to you and consulted about a lot of things because it was my first time in a very intensive mm -hmm. level of care and you had been there already. I don't know if it'd been multiple years or whatnot, but mm -hmm. yeah, I just loved hearing your insight and your perspective. Cause it always mm -hmm. got me thinking a little bit more. Well, ditto. Cause yeah. I learned a lot from you too. So yeah. Thank you. And it's so nice Thank to you. meet you. Danielle, Danielle, <laughs> yeah, too, so. Of course. Yeah. I know I'm excited. Yeah. Abby speaks so highly of you. So this will be a great one for you guys to chitty chat and us to chat together and for our listeners to learn so much from you. So it'll be so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I know I did a very brief introduction, but I, I don't know if you wanted to go into, you know, if you had to describe yourself or like, how would you introduce mm -hmm. yourself to the world or what, what maybe I missed uh, that you sure. want people to know about you? Yeah. Um, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. So I always like to introduce myself as a um, first-generation Iranian-American. So I'm half Persian, half um, European, like Irish, Italian, um, and predominantly identify with like my Persian identity. Uh, my father was my primary caregiver. Um, and yeah, we're very Persian. <laughs> Um, so that means we're usually always late too. That's like the funny, <laughs> funny <laughs> being on Persian people time. It's a real thing. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, I um, have a practice here in Minneapolis. I really do work from an anti-racist lens. Um, I predominantly work with trauma and eating disorders, um, as well as like working with first generation um, folks as well. Um, I do energy work. So I practice both from the uh, Reiki system, which is a Japanese form of energy healing. And then I incorporate the Hindu chakra system into that. And then I also include healing, energy healing modalities from like my Persian um, lineage as well that I've titled like Shafa healing. Um, and then also work with our um, just energy systems as well within the ancient um, Persian traditions as well. Ah, what else? I am a, I do a lot. Yes. <laughs> you're basically, you're really cool. I, yeah. We love a multi-passionate person. I, I mean, it's good. So it's like, I'm a Sagittarius. So like, there you go. There's, that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, what else? Um, I do ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So I'm a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist and then also a psychedelic integration, um, practitioner too. Yeah, and I love being outside. I love nature. Camping is where I love being. I like um, 
creating disruption in systems <laughs> so that they kind of have to falter and hopefully fix themselves or at yeah. least um, at least create spaces where people who don't align within those systems can feel safe and at home. Um, yeah. So, oh yeah, and then somatic work. So I'm super all body-based and <laughs> I'm sure the folks that I work with and the people in my life are just like, can you stop asking me about what I notice in my body and like pay and stop paying attention to what my body's doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they know the body tells us a lot of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in my sessions as a dietitian, it comes up, right? Like, Hey, what's coming up for you in your body right now? And that gives so much insight. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Uh, with the act of eating, right? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask what initially got you. I mean, I can kind of sense, right. You pull from right. The, you tie together the Eastern and Western kind of Mm -hmm. healthcare modalities, but what initially got you interested in psychology or mental health? Um, or maybe that's a loaded question. I don't know. <laughs> that is a loaded question. <laughs> but <Typical. laughs> it, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's interesting because when I was younger, I always thought about doing like working with animals or doing like zoology, stuff like that. Um, and even like becoming a writer or a politician, like it's very interesting And, um, you know, for me, like I am, I'm recovered from an eating disorder. I'm a trauma survivor and truly because my experience in the mental health, receiving mental health services as an adolescent, um, was extremely traumatizing because there was zero cultural competency and the care that I was receiving was not in any way, shape or form holistic. It was so centered on like the cognitive brain and like behavior, um, which didn't work for me. And um, I thankfully was in an environment where I was offered some plant medicine, probably not the best environment, but I definitely went down a really beautiful (laughs) like rabbit hole where there was a lot of walls that I couldn't break down were being broken down in front of me. Um, and it was really humbling. So it was this catalyst to my healing. Um, so it opened the door, it did not fix by any means anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opened up so much for me to see. And so part of my recovery journey um, had a lot to do with reconnecting with my body. Uh, so I was raised um, very like athletically. Um, my dad was like my, was my soccer coach. He, we were in martial arts. We did a lot of stuff that had to do with the body, but also tuning in to our bodies too. Um, you know, like learning how to kick a ball, feeling what it feels like in your feet rather than looking at it was a huge thing that stuck with me. Um, so knowing that getting in touch with my athletic self was going to be super important, um, bringing in spirituality, uh, as well, that was more, um, had more autonomy to it because spirituality or religion prior to that was predominantly, um, Catholic based because of my biological mother's side. Um, and that did not 
sit with me at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's like really beautiful at its core and its foundation, but just the way things twist and turn. Um, and so connecting more with meditation, uh, reconnecting to a yoga practice, uh, reconnecting with food. So getting back in touch with like my cultural food, um, because that was a big thing in treatment. I was being fed food that I ne was never a part of my, um, my life prior to going in there. And so really building a solid relationship with food, with growing food, with cooking, um, getting that felt sense. And, um, you know, there's a few other elements in there too, and it wasn't easy. And I think about if I would have had support, especially around like the integration with plant medicine or, um, even just trying to all these moving pieces together. Um, yeah. And so not having that is truly what really initiated the desire to go get my master's um, because I have my, um, my BS in psychology and then a minor in kinesiology. And I was personal training at the time. All of my <laughs> training clients were like, had like mental health concerns I'm like hmm, okay like this is how can we make this work and then the cultural competency piece too was mm -hmm. huge and it wasn't until um the summer of 2020 when I was working with a really phenomenal Persian somatic experiencing practitioner and she had named things for me that other clinicians were never able to name because I had always worked with white bodied clinicians. Um, and I was staring at someone who like felt so familiar, but also could say the things that no one else could understand. Mm -hmm. So that validated a lot of it. So, yeah, oh. that was a really long answer. No, it was, to your it was good. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my response was that was beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And yeah, I mean, we all know in the mental health field, in any field, right, there is a huge disparity of the, the people who are practitioners mm -hmm. and not matching the, right, not matching the society of people who need, right, the the multicolored multiple cultures ethnicities who need care and yeah it's like humble pie that me as a white provider white and able body provider mm -hmm. i'm not going to be the best fit for everybody for a number of reasons and there needs to be more diversity in in every field just plain and simple mm -hmm. yeah. it just goes to show like it's so great to have that awareness of what's going on as well like knowing man, okay, I'm with a practitioner, I'm with someone in the medical field, and it's just not feeling quite right. Like, I know that they're telling me the correct things, but I just, maybe they're just not really understanding me. And there's so many times when I feel like people go through journeys in the mental health field or in any, you know, any field of that nature. And they're, they're thinking that they should just trust whatever's happening, but it's like, no, maybe I need to speak to someone else who has like more understanding of what's yeah. going on with me or yep. something of that nature. So it's always like really important to be able to seek that out too, you know? Absolutely. And to know that there is that 
that autonomy to be able to tell a clinician, you are not a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And to stand in that power to just be like, nope. I always tell folks like during the first session, you know, you're interviewing me. You guess I'm collecting information on you. And you also get to interview me because like, if you don't feel comfortable or something's not sitting right with the dynamic, that's not helpful for, you know, the person trying to get care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and I didn't even think about going this, this route, but I'm, I'm going to ask anyway, uh, what do you think needs to change to help increase and improve the diversity and especially mental health fields? Mm-hmm. But I mean, in general, right. Talking about systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think that the <laughs> It's another loaded question. (laughs) What I'm known for. There needs to be scholarships, right? So there needs to be significant scholarships, not academic scholarships, not like, you know, like, you know, here's $5,000, right? Like real scholarships are like free tuition for clinicians of color. And quite frankly, to be blunt, black clinicians, Mm -hmm. um, because it's, I like even being like white passing, right? Like there's still this dynamic that's there. And even though a lot of my clients of color and my black clients are, they can feel supported. It's like there needs, like there needs more, there needs to be more representation. So I honestly think like free graduate school um, is a place to start. And then I also really think that corporations and companies need to implement anti-racist curriculum into their programs because when there are enough clinicians of color, but then the system that they're a part of is not supportive of them, it is re-traumatizing or traumatizing and then re-traumatizing over and over again. And unfortunately, there are multiple companies where colleagues of mine, we have talked about the harm that we've experienced in those systems and even having it flipped, where like, we are now the people that are causing harm or being reported to HR because us using our voices is making people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like scholarships, free, you know, free graduate school, but then also these systems really doing their work. Um, and then also, I was going to say it, insurance companies mm-hmm. being able to credential and contract with individual providers, because the reality is, is that the work that we do is, it can be so heavy. We're holding so much. There's so much like, you know, counter transfer and transference that's happening. You know, sometimes we're processing the same trauma or very similar trauma. Um, we're holding space for that. And our self-care is essential. And so being able to work on our own and be able to see people with insurance is so essential for like our well-being and then the well-being for the folks that we work with. Um, so yeah, insurance companies being willing to contract individual providers, which they are getting a little bit some are getting a little bit better. <laughs> Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is still fighting. Snaps that I agree to all of it. <laughs> yeah, hundred thousand yeah. percent. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think even like from experience for me, I mean, even here in Chicago, like I've, there's been different times where I've looked into like therapists and I've thought to myself like, okay, I'm going to have like a black African-American woman therapist. And like, if you look and I'm even in Chicago where it's a very large population mm-hmm. of African-Americans, there's not a lot, you know, and that's really, really sad in so many ways. And it's just, it's, it's hard because I think it's something that a lot of people don't really talk about, or it's not mm-hmm. something that really is known as often. I mean, obviously now it's mm-hmm. becoming bigger, but I just think mm-hmm. it's just something that it's, it's just really difficult in that scenario, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That is surprising. And that just speaks even more so mm-hmm. to the need. Yeah. yeah. And not yeah. just like the need. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think people are like the need mm-hmm. and it's like, no, like people would go to school and like do the work to become therapists if mm-hmm. there wasn't this huge financial barrier. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's right. There's lots of systems in place that make it difficult for people of color to even, right. Get, uh, even doing undergrad or grad. So mm-hmm. yeah, there unfortunately are a lot of barriers and yeah, it's, I mean, people like me who also need to speak up too. It's not just, uh, Oh, it's, it's not my quote unquote, my problem. Like it also takes white people to speak up for it too. Cause unfortunately that is using your voice for a good thing but also mm-hmm. unfortunately knowing that white people usually get heard too mm-hmm. that sucks mm-hmm. yeah. it sucks um but so yeah you yeah went to school went to graduate school and yeah are just doing I think this really great thing of incorporating body work. And I mean, I've already mentioned this, right. The Eastern Western, uh, modalities and you have your own yoga practice. And I mean, you've worked in systems, you've been in private practice. Like what, what do you love about working for yourself? (laughs) That I don't have a boss to piss off. (laughs) (laughs) I was kidding. (laughs) I say that. And I've actually had, I've been very lucky that even within systems that I don't like, I have been very lucky to have very phenomenal bosses. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and thankfully I have always felt supported in both like the clinical world. And then I always tell people I was born and raised in the service industry. Mm-hmm. And so even um, at the restaurant that I've worked at for 12 years, technically kind of, st- I still kind of fill, fill in, but I don't have a regular shift, but even just like, even that system having like really wonderful bosses, but like I can be a difficult human sometimes because I have very strong opinions. So, um, but yeah, I love also the, um, you know, just the freedom and the flexibility to move in the space that feels really good to my body and feels, you know, aligned with who I am, uh, which is really nice. And just even like having more time. So a really beautiful part about being in private practice is that you, you do get to have a little bit more time to fill up your cup and, and our line of work. And really whenever engaging with humans, we need that time and space to fill up our cups and um and it's really nice to do um, yeah 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 what has been one of your like most memorable 
things that most memorable like interactions that you've had in your career gosh (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't have to be like present time it can be like just in general you know I mean I know that's that's like a wild one but I mean like one of those that's like imprinted on your heart where you're like oh my gosh Mm. this was a moment yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know actually it 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 is a session with someone where I was really able to see. Um, so I, you'd, I use this term inner healing wisdom and the inner healing wisdom is something that each and every one of us has within us. It's just that sometimes because we've gone through things in life, it gets really quiet. Um, but I remember a very specific session where the human I was working with was able to really connect with that. And to just see and feel the energetic shifts, the body kind of come into like this very relaxed mode um, and to just see, to see that connected um, was just really beautiful. And it was the reminder of this is, this is why I do the work that I do is to be able to just hold the space for people to truly find their like their own abilities to heal. Cause I think people like to give therapists a lot of credit <laughs> and I'm like, I am like, you know, I hold the space and folks move in it and they do what they need to do in it in order to figure out their own healing abilities. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Again, absolutely. that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I even, I guess maybe backing up too, uh, some people might not even know what somatic experiencing mm-hmm. is like people who mm-hmm. are listening. And I know I've talked on here about my experience with EMDR. So a different mm-hmm. type of trauma, um, therapy, mm-hmm. but yeah. What is your like elevator pitch of what experiencing <laughs> is? Sorry. Yeah. Loaded question. <laughs> Number three. It's not, it's so funny. Cause I'm like the biggest fan girl of somatic experiencing because <laughs> it changed my life. Truly it did. Um, and you know, it is, it's a body-based modality. We're working with the nervous system So we're trying to get the brain, like the human brain, the prefrontal cortex offline. Mm -hmm. And we're working with the, like through the lens of somatic experiencing trauma is defined as something that happens too much or too little or too fast or not enough, preventing the nervous system from reorganizing and settling after something like after a threat or after there's activation and survival, we, we go into survival mode. So we get stuck in like fight or flight or freeze um, or collapse. And then we have all the trauma symptoms, right? Or even, I would even name like, we have the like mental health symptoms too um, when we're struggling with our mental health. Um, And so what somatic experiencing does is it allows folks to drop into their body and to allow their nervous system like to build up the capacity of the nervous system to tolerate the activation so that it can go into like fight or flight or can move out of fight or flight or move out of freeze and discharge that energy um, and reset the nervous system. Um, And it's a very slow process, uh, which I think is really frustrating to a lot of folks, but 
because we don't want to overwhelm the nervous system, it's so important to go slow with it. Um, and I think we skip over that a lot. Um, so yeah, it's totally, it's very much body-based, sensation-based, um, even sometimes accessing image and emotion. What I really like about it is that we don't necessarily need a lot of content because the body doesn't understand words. It doesn't understand, um, you know, it does understand it, but like it's not needed. Um, so it can be nice to not have to reiterate the narrative around it, but it also can be helpful to do that too. Um, yeah, it was like the, it was the training that really tied everything together because graduate school was so heady and like, I was just like, I don't, okay, there's something missing. <laughs> yeah. like, what is this? Uh, especially growing up in a home where like, you know, what are emotions, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are those words? Um, <laughs> and so being in the body again, um, and people say, right, like they often say our gut is our second brain, but I truly do believe it's actually our first. And so oftentimes we'll feel things in our body, but we're so disconnected from our bodies that we don't notice it. And then our brain will label it. Mm -hmm. So we might notice like this tension in our chest or our brain is registering the tension and then it labels it anxiety. And then maybe we can notice the tension. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was really very good. bottom up. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, I feel like so many people, especially in Western uh, society and cultures are just so used to, right? Like white knuckle it, just get through. And I don't feel like many people are tuned into their body, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. or even just aware of mm -hmm. how much our body holds until there might be an ache or a pain or, you know, where did this come from? And I think, yeah, the, the next generation we've been talking about Gen Z, I think, I just feel like they're so in tune with how they feel or being able to say, nope, this isn't for me or, Hey, I need, I need blank. Like they're actually speaking up. Whereas I feel like many people before us and our generation yeah. are just like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll just go on. And now <laughs> we all are having burnout in our thirties. Yes. Exactly. Or, this, or they start becoming in tune with it. Once something stops, you know, then they're like, oh my gosh, like I, I realize, like, I don't have those headaches anymore. Oh, I realize I'm not, you know, whatever mm -hmm. feeling they've been having, but they didn't notice it until it actually stopped. Whatever they stopped doing, then they exactly. realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a result, honestly, of just like colonization. I truly believe like colonization across the entire world. Like, yes, here in like the US and in Canada and the other, the Southern Americas, um, but even like over in Europe and the Middle East and everything like colonization existed all over. Um, and it is trauma after trauma after trauma. And that all disconnects from both like the people being oppressed and also the oppressor because, and maybe this is a romanticized perception and it's me being the Sagittarian optimist. Um, but I truly think it's really hard for people to cause harm when they are fully connected to their bodies. And so there has to be this disconnect or this freeze that's happening 
that doesn't allow you know them to register to humanize right because when we dehumanize we disconnect significantly so I truly think it's that result of it of colonization I'm just letting that quote sink in because that that is pretty eye-opening and I feel like deserves its own like (laughs) minute of just sinking in (laughs) right and and I recently heard on a podcast too, um, like we've been hearing a lot about, or I mean, a lot of us maybe have heard it for a while, but um, we talk about intergenerational trauma and right how black, brown, BIPOC individuals have uh, intergenerational trauma, obviously from their ancestors, but in, I can't remember what podcast, and it actually might've been with uh, Diane Bondi, a black um, yoga instructor who um, I follow and learn a lot about from, but it was a guest, I think, on her podcast and was talking about not only do uh, BIPOC individuals have intergenerational trauma, but also to like white individuals. Mm-hmm. We also have intergenerational trauma from, you know, our ancestors who also caused the hate. And that it just had never been told to me like that before. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just insane that, and again, typical uh, colonization of yep, just white knuckle it and go through it. Like how many times have we heard like, oh, well, I don't, I didn't own a slave or just all the very ignorant statements that people will say to be like, slavery's over. Like it, it again, is just not, not connecting with our bodies or with no. the emotions and experiences of other people. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was eye-opening. I'm like, that makes sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. yes, our, the trauma that our parents and ancestors have gone through, we also are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a disconnect, I think, largely from, um, I mean, I think for white folks, but I also think just like colonization in general, like there, it, there can be a really big disconnect from um, like our ancestry, right? And I, I talk a lot about um, like about like, I, like, Christianity, right? Like in general or monotheistic religions and how a lot of it is formed around, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disconnecting from our ancestral roots and relying more so on the organization of um, collectives or structures and things like that. And we forget that there's so much in our ancestry going back hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, And it breaks my heart because so many of us have such beautiful cultures just across the world. And we've lost that a lot in order to, you know, for more specifically like white bodies to like gain power, to gain um, superiority. Um, and it's sad because at the end of the day, like, yeah, there's, there's a ton of people that are impacted outside of that group of people, but even those within that, that system, they get lost and they've mm-hmm. lost their identities and don't even know that they have an identity past that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I learn a lot from you too, and just am able to like reflect in myself in either the social media posts or things that you um, put online. And unfortunately, right, my school system, our school system here is very 
centered around, I think America being like the savior and all things. And I don't really remember learning anything about world history growing up like at all. I only remember learning what happened like once America was founded. And even D and I have that conversation. He's like, really? Like we learned about, and he'll discuss like a European or world history. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, definitely central Iowa. I did not. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when he was in Texas, he said he would get more. And again, that also claims like, you know, just the discrepancies between even where you live to the type of education you get, like Mm -hmm. it's bonkers. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you sharing too, a lot of information, um, on the current, I mean, unfortunately the current Mm -hmm. war going on in Ukraine with, with Russia, because I also too, am unfortunately not Mm -hmm. well-versed in world, world events. Mm -hmm. So many people aren't. Mm -hmm. And how you, I mean, so many people, when I shared her post were like, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And it was a lot of white people Mm -hmm. who also didn't know how to express like Mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then it's also hard because things like that, when large world events happen, like people don't know how to, how to speak on things or how to react to things because Mm -hmm. of either the education that they had, or just, they don't know if they should speak about it because they might be feeling Mm -hmm. kind of weird or, you know, and it's, it's obviously like a big collective trauma in a sense, you know, but people don't necessarily think of it that way. So they're like, oh, I don't know about it, or this isn't happening to me or whatever's happening, but it is something that is happening very collectively. It's just, yeah, it's hard. It is hard. And I think too, for a lot of folks, just even like naming, okay, maybe the reason why the last like week or two you felt so tired or there's been like this heaviness so maybe it's not your stuff maybe it's like the collective of what's mm-hmm. happening um and a lot of them resonate with that where it's like yeah that's that's what it is because I know for myself um two weeks up to last Wednesday so like a little bit over a week ago I was in a collapse mode. Like I could show up for work. I could show up for community, but I like, when I'd get home, I would just like collapse. Mm -hmm. I was so exhausted. And it wasn't until a week ago that I was able to actually be like, Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. So this energy is what I've been feeling in my body and in my system. And anything too coming from you know, half of me coming from a country where, you know, we oftentimes do have a target on our back. Um, and it's always instability of like, what's going to happen to, you know, what's going to happen to Iran. Um, it's like, we're always on edge. So we're always feeling it. Um, and that's very similar to a lot of, I think, countries in the Northern Africa, Southwest Asia area too. Um, And so then when something as big as Russia invading Ukraine happens, I think we feel it extra as well. And and I think too, I don't want to say, and I don't want, because we're not a monolith, obviously people experience things differently, but I think that it almost allows us more access to speak on it because you know, war is so normalized in our region. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it's very much normalized. Um, So I think we have more access to be more verbal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I, like I said, I feel like I learn and feel inspired and just, I feel like I am better and more knowledgeable after I listen to you speak and after we converse because <laughs> that's good. Cause sometimes I'm like, what, how, like, do I sound crazy? Does everyone on Instagram think I'm crazy and just being like, da-da-da-da. screw this, like, like no, because uncivilized. It's, like, <laughs> it's always good to have different perspectives, you know, because I think like if people don't voice certain perspectives or don't have some sort of voice around certain things, like that's everyone learns from each other in different ways, you know? And so if you're, if you're having those moments when you're like, oh man, this doesn't sound it, it someone's probably going to learn something from you at some point in time. So I'm not you sure kind of have to like keep talking. <laughs> oh my God. Siri just. <laughs> Siri didn't understand Siri, you. Me Siri, too. Like... Siri did not understand. It's fine. It's fine. I get it. I get it. I'm done. <laughs> Siri's just expressing that like, we all don't understand the world. It's fine. Yeah, that, it that was that was perfect timing. You can't make this shit up. No, no, this this is real life right here. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It is. And yeah, we are all connected beings, mm-hmm. and there's energy w- between all of us. So yeah, that makes sense, right? Even world world events or you know, I mean, right. The last two years in a global Mm -hmm. pandemic, we all are also Mm -hmm. feeling that collect trauma. Um, and the uprising and um, George Floyd being lynched and yeah. yeah, And then the continued (laughs) harm that has continued and no change. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah, it's, I I think we all do they're like a reward or like a cookie like a really really good cookie we've talked about that too just one year of like 12 months paid vacation Mm -hmm. just none of us have to do anything just the government has to work the government has to yes they get to pay on minimum wage I feel like everyone has to go to one big place and just be like, yeah, and just have a fun like (laughs) dance where it's just like everyone just feels better for a second. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. A good dance party, which you also love to dance, Shereen. I do. (laughs) And that's a part of moving your body. I mean, that's again, also how Danielle and I met was in a dance club. (laughs) Like we met doing the most joyful thing. So (laughs) it's like moving your body and energy, all of it. Mm-hmm. yes yes it does feel good highly recommend yes. yeah <laughs> well and not switching gears too much right it's it's about right how we're all connected and that to me does go hand in hand with like you know like earth plant medicine mm-hmm. and you had mentioned right having kind of your own experience with that like opening doors for you not doing the healing but when did you decide to incorporate that into your practice Mm -hmm. um or even I mean yeah what got you interested in even I mean I'm learning so much from the different like trials that are going Mm -hmm. on or what's helpful there was something on yeah Care 11 or local news station about about the U of M with Jessica Nielsen who's a phenomenal human um (laughs) truly a phenomenal human really wonderful really great leader yeah Yay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So honestly, 
I've always wanted to incorporate plant medicine into the healing world um, or into the therapy world, obviously like the legal component of it and not necessarily endorsing it or promoting it, but holding space for people who are incorporating that into their world because having that support is something I didn't have and I kind of had to navigate how to integrate it. But um, because the integration part is the most essential, like, yes, the medicine session, use, like being in relationship with medicine is really important. And also how we integrate what we learn is truly where the healing happens and where you see those shifts occur. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until they finally started doing studies at John, ha John Hopkins and at MAPS that I started being more vocal about it. Um, Cause I've always been an advocate for cannabis mm -hmm. as well. That's a plant, it's, it's medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of remember um, where we worked together, um, <laughs> having staff members or peers like look at me like I was this hippie druggie um, when I'd bring up, like, just like kind of like tiptoe a little bit, or if like, you know, we're in case management and someone's like recreational use came up and I would just kind of be like, okay, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, and like, um, I just, there's a few people where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. And then now it's like everywhere. And like, I see some of those folks like talking about it and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, when Always I brought it up before, asked me. yeah, you're like, when I yeah, it up before, it just wasn't really working out, but like, <laughs> yeah, like Kermit the Frog uh -huh. sipping some tea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am a hippie, but <laughs> not, not in that context though, but like, <laughs> I do like to get my feet dirty. So, um, but, but yeah, so um, truly what really helped me begin to integrate it and actually got me into like the legal psychedelic work with ketamine, um, is joining the psychedelic society of Minnesota. And I was able, that's where I met Jessica Nielsen, um, as well as a few of the folks that I work with at the Catalyst Insight Collective, um, where, you know, it was just really nice to be and like we had a subgroup of clinicians and to be in community with people who were really passionate about this work and it felt really safe to talk about. Um, and yeah, and getting trained in ketamine assisted psychotherapy. I also am almost done with a psychedelic assisted psychotherapy certificate program through the California Institute of Integral Studies um, as well. And so really it becoming like decriminalized in a lot of places, it becoming more normalized, less taboo, breaking down, um, quite frankly, the, the racist ideologies that come from the war on drugs because mm -hmm. the war on drugs was solely based off of racism. Mm -hmm. um, 
and also um, silencing like anti-war counterculture people as well. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad because we have been lied to about a lot of these substances and a lot of them are scheduled one drugs and they should not be at all because they're not inherently dangerous and they don't cause harm. Um, they can, I suppose, but they don't. And what we know about a lot of things is that making things illegal actually creates more harm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Definitely. You think we'd learn that by now? Human nature, but yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> when do we get it? Right. Um, but yeah, so breaking down a lot of those stereotypes and just providing more education and um you know quite frankly like it is going to have to be and it has been a lot of white-bodied people talking about it because those upholding those harmful ideologies and, and systems are predominantly white bodies um and so just having that education out there and then also having like john hopkins do studies with psilocybin and even berkeley um and everything where it like legitimizes it, even though a lot of these practices are very much rooted in like indigenous throughout the entire world culture and even like ancient Greece, Greece as well. Um, and like in Europe, there's this really awesome book called The Immortality Key. And I can't remember the author of it, but he is, um, heard, like he's a, he's a scholar. Um, he might be a lawyer too. I don't know, but he goes into Europe and, and like visits the Vatican and stuff and is, um, exploring, you know, the use of plant medicine back in the day. Um, so it's existed all throughout this world. And so interconnectedness, right? Like mm -hmm. it created this interconnectedness where people in, you know, the Middle East have very similar traditions or ways of healing as those indigenous to, you know, Turtle Island as well. Um, so yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and also like naming plant medicine isn't always, you know, a, a, a substance that puts us in like altered states or elevated states because you know, just mushrooms, like non-psychoactive mushrooms are so healing and they have different healing um, mechanisms and, and properties. And same with just like different herbs that grow from the ground and flowers and, and everything. So really connecting with nature. Mm -hmm. So Danielle, when you said you're like going on walks outside, well, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's healing. It is, <laughs> it is connecting with nature. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I'm an Earth sign, so I'm all about. I love the nature. It's fun. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Same but I, my moon is a Sagittarius, so my like inner world is. Mm -hmm. like you so that makes that makes a lot of sense yes it does <laughs> yes <laughs> what earth signs are you two um aren't I I'm a well what, you're, you're a Taurus yeah yeah I'm a Taurus sorry I like <laughs> okay. had to think about it for a second I was like what am I'm a Taurus <laughs> you have it's Taurus I can't remember you have Pisces and one of your big Pisces, three I can't remember yeah. the other one um and uh Capricorn mm. okay yeah. yep and I am 
um, Virgo sun, cancer rising, okay. Sagittarius moon. You got all the elements, almost all the elements. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. That might be why I feel like I'm getting pulled in a million there directions all the time. <laughs> we haven't asked them no. all. What are your big three? <laughs> well, Sagittarius, my son, and then the other two are Scorpios. So I have like fire Ooh. and water, nice. which is truly like, I don't know. I love it because both are like per like in ancient Persia we always had like the fire like we always had a fire going and so candles like bonfires all these things I've always loved my whole life and then water like I can just like be in water and just like float away (laughs) nature so good and I think the most Sagittarian thing and maybe not the most Sagittarian thing you've ever done but definitely piece of that travel is when you like you and your then fiance, now husband, just went off the grid and traveled for months and camped. <laughs> yep, lived in so our cool. car, in our tent. Yeah, I know. That was so cool. I lived vicariously through your pictures of travel and mm-hmm. your dog. Is your dog's name Ragamuffin or is that just your nickname? <laughs> That's his nickname. His real name is Marley. Um, That's right. But That's we right. call him, like he makes pig noises like because he's a shih tzu right and so his name is his nickname is piggy so we call him piggy ragamuffin marley Um, (laughs) i love it that's right i knew marley i knew it was but you always post ragamuffin and i know you have love for your animals and then also just the love of i believe are you posting pictures of your uh father and your grandfather very often my yeah my dad yeah 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 he I mean he looks I post pictures of him all different like ages but <laughs> it's just but like yeah. a fun like highlight reel of him you know <laughs> yeah because he is like my you know like nothing's ever perfect right like you know trauma carries with us and parents are really good at you know replaying their trauma with us children like it's a game I don't know (laughs) Um, oh we know yeah 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 Yeah. but one thing that I think is so beautiful with parents and I've been able to witness this with my father as well is that when they want to or they have the capacity to, or something clicks for them and they want to do their healing work or they want to shift and change, they really can. And it's been really beautiful to witness um, my dad transform into who he is. I mean, he still is very much a Persian father. So there's (laughs) some things that are in his DNA, um, but I just feel really blessed and, and really lucky that um, despite all of the things, even just in childhood and growing up that like that unconditional love, um, was present because it's, it's truly has been a very, um, like a good resource for me to go back to. And of course there's always stuff that's in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I'm definitely a fan girl of his, like, I'm always <laughs> like, oh. 
<laughs> it helps too because my stepmom like keeps him in line now too. So I feel like that's like, <laughs> right. That's a benefit where <laughs> she like hears and sees me, and I'm like, I'll call her up and I'll be like, Mama, Baba's doing something. Da 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 da, and she'll call him, put him in his place, <laughs> and then I get a phone call, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I got it. It's good. It's good over there. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have an advocate on your side. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's a big advocate. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. one thing Danielle and I know is yeah. Fam- I mean, family stuff. There's always mm-hmm. always things to uncover and unpack. Yeah, mm-hmm. all every day. Yep. yep. <laughs> Well, and that's the, I think that's interesting because it's like the dichotomy and as humans, we don't like dichotomy. And so it's hard to be able to hold two truths, right? Like I can, like, you know, I can be so mad at my dad and so hurt by like, you know, something and then also still like love him so much. Mm -hmm. And the two don't cancel each other out. They don't invalidate one another. Um, they just get to exist in the same space. And I think that that's a lot, that's really hard for humans to hold. Like I just figured out how to do that like a year ago, two years ago. Same. Still learning, still still learning. Yeah, (laughs) still learning, still growing. Yes. Yeah, I use that same phrase with a client today, right? When they were discussing something with their parents. And yeah, it is it is very hard. We can cognitively and knowledgeably know something and yet practicing it is very hard. And that's why the mm-hmm. body work is so important. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been open about, I think that's where I got stuck with EMDR. It was wonderful and great for its purpose. And yet I feel like I do need to see like a somatic uh, mm-hmm. practitioner to move things through my body because I already, I'm a Virgo. I already think too much. Like yeah, I don't need to yeah. keep thinking about it. I need right. to understand yeah. what the mm-hmm. hell is going on down here. <laughs> because mm-hmm. replaying yeah. it over and over again that's what you do regularly <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah so basically I do my own prolonged exposure already 12 yes, times exactly. a day exactly. <laughs> or as How our friend Chelsea would say <laughs> my Enneagram my six I have the committee just you know just always <laughs> everywhere right <laughs> oh yeah we haven't asked people that have you done the Enneagram uh like testing her like uh yeah I don't know much about it but yeah I'm a um it's like a I'm like a four but also a two so what is I don't even know like a two is the helper right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the four is like the individual or something yeah the four is the individualist so you if you were a four you would yeah you would be either a wing three or wing five Okay. Because if you're a okay. two, you would go to a three or a one, basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Our, yeah. Our friend Chelsea is an Enneagram coach because I, for the longest time, thought, thought I was a two. And then then we thought I was a one. And then I <laughs> yeah. actually did the actual test. It's like, oh, just kidding. I'm a six. So, <laughs> right. you know. Danielle, what are you? I'm a nine. I'm a nine okay. wing eight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Another yeah. modality to learn about 
there's astrology enneagram so i know uh gene keys right i don't know if you've heard of that or and i don't know nothing about it i just mm-hmm. i just have heard of it and then there's the human design oh as yeah well. i've heard about the human design i haven't really like dabbled into that but i've heard about it yeah i put my info into it and i was just like okay <laughs> I yeah know. yeah i don't know much more about it i i did I think I did the same thing, but I can't remember what it shared with, shared with me. So, yeah. or like the, the Myers-Briggs is the ENFJ, INT, all that stuff. Yeah. All of it. All of it. Okay. Yeah. All the ways to learn about yourself. We're always learning. Yes, exactly. Always, always, always are. The um, moment we stop is the moment we're doomed. Right. Oh, I thought I you were gonna well. say the moment we stop is the moment we're dead. I literally <laughs> thought. <this laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going into doom, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, on that note. <laughs> Shireen, is there anything that we did not discuss today that you were like for sure wanting to delve into or practice? I mean, we've gone a million places and I've loved every second of it, but anything sorry, else? It's good. <laughs> One of like my ADHD brain, I'm like, huh. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think one thing that's just super important to name is like, like in general, in the world of healing, like healing is a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because we live in a society that's always trying to, like, we're always trying to accomplish something. Like just that reminder that healing is not, you know, it's not something we accomplish. It's just something that we do We travel along the healing path and knowing that we have all the tools within us to navigate that path. We just have to unearth them. It's always, I don't know. I feel like that's so important to remind folks of. And it's always a reminder for me too, because there are moments where I'm like, seriously, like how, how many times do I need to learn this? Like, mm-hmm, come on, like, mm-hmm. come on. It's like, <laughs> like, I know this. And then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh wait, like, you know, my, I like to talk to my inner child and I'm always like, Oh, like little baby shishi. Like, no wonder why, like we keep learning this is because there's still struggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, the lessons you must need to learn. Yeah. Let's go for yeah. all like so, yeah. out in nature. Yes. Oh, I am that crazy person that literally will be like holding an invisible hand. Like I'll like, <laughs> like literally like walk through you know like a state park or something like talking (laughs) fine I don't care you know but like you said yeah (laughs) but like you said if more people connected to themselves I also agree there would be less harm like how can you be harmful if you're talking to your inner child right or if you were doing that more like right exactly or if you knew what your inner child was thinking you know what I mean or you knew yeah. like you're more connected with your inner child in that way you you just you just just feel lighter in a lot of ways you know yeah that's so true mm-hmm. yeah yeah little Danielle and little Abby are yeah. teaching us things every day oh they are <laughs> 
my bowl cut, you know. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's perfect. She's still rocking it. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh God. God. Um, well, Shireen, I know we like briefly prepped you for like Instagram <laughs> versus reality. And again, there's no like right or wrong answer. If you know something in your life or something that we even talked about tonight that you know, might present one way, but actually on the flip side is something different. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a few things I can think of that were from the combo, but don't know if mm-hmm. anything creative comes from your brain. <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because I was listening to another podcast earlier today. Um, it's around psychedelics, right? So because psychedelics have been so mainstream now and like, it's starting to become more romanticized, mm-hmm. um, we hear a lot about how psychedelics can be so healing and they can, you know, just do so many beautiful, wonderful things. And, you know, the reality is, is like, yes. And right. Like, and it, it's not for everyone and, and it's not the, the answer for everyone. And sometimes it's not beautiful. Like sometimes it's just like, wow. Wow. Okay. Can I get those 10 hours back, please? Thank you. Mm. <laughs> so like, I don't know, like that's just the transparency part of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. I feel like there's like multiple flip sides on that too, right? Like how oh, people yeah. have stereotypes too, yeah. like mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. people who might use psychedelics. And then also at the same time, it's like, yes. And but and so yeah. I love that Instagram versus reality so much. <laughs> like some of my professors in this program, like they're like all in like their suits and ties. And I'm like, yeah, I know you've probably done a lot, a lot of LSD, a lot of LSD. <laughs> and like these researchers, and it's like, awesome. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're testing out the product, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> back in the 70s you right. know like, while and out like, right. oh I I love I I love the Instagram personality so much mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um if people want to learn more about you I don't know if uh you mm-hmm. have a public account or not or even like your website or we'll link to that book too that you mentioned in the show notes but I mean any places people can find you or learn more, um, where would you like to direct them? Um, yeah, so I have a website. It's healingwithshereen.com. And then my business Instagram um, that I'm not super active on um, is healingwithshereenjune, um, J-U-N-E. And yeah, and then, and also another good site to check out is uh, catalystinsightcollective.com. That is the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy um, company. I don't want to call it a company even, but um, we don't like to call it a clinic either. We're just like folks together um, holding it's space. It's a thing, right? Yeah. It's a holding space. It's just, it's just a place, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are the main main spots but yeah mm-hmm. well thank you so much Shireen it was yeah. so good to reconnect I know we just saw each other a few weeks yes. ago but uh mm-hmm. it was so lovely 
to even just learn more about your journey. And I've known you for a few Mm -hmm. years, but always Mm -hmm. good to talk well thank you too yeah sorry go ahead oh no no it's okay (laughs) it's just I was just saying I think and I know like our listeners are going to learn so much from you and have Mm -hmm. so many different insights that they're going to get so it was like so great that we were able to chat with you (laughs) yeah yeah the intersectional pieces too of mental health and trauma and racism and and capitalist systems you know all the things (laughs) all All the the more you know yeah Yeah. well yeah and thank you too so much too it's just been such a pleasure to spend more time with you abby and to meet you danielle and put like the energy to like the voices Mm -hmm. um (laughs) as well and i just love just the conversational aspect of your podcast and the giggles and like the non-seriousness so I love it. Thank you so much for that feedback. That feels that that feels so good to hear. And I'll just yeah, all the feels, all the feels. It just feels good. Yeah, I can hold it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, and you know, see us back soon. What I don't even know. Thanks, everyone. I'm just in a. I'm just in a very lovey tuffy place now um see you back soon (laughs) see you back soon bye Bye. and that's our show thank you so much for taking the time during your morning afternoon evening whatever time you did to listen but we would love to hear more We'd love to hear more from you. So make sure you join us on Facebook at Real Life Podcast with Abby and Danielle and like and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not an Apple user, we are actually on Spotify as well. But on Apple, you can leave us a review. But don't forget to leave us a review on Facebook as well.